I think actually, you know, publishers shouldn't be fearing everything because there's a ton of opportunities that AI brings with it, and both from a business perspective, but also a technical perspective. And I think that's an interesting thing to consider. Hi, I'm your host, Jude Pereira. And today we'll be sitting down with guests Hongzhou and Josh Nicholson to discuss some of the benefits and pain points around AI becoming increasingly integrated into the academic publishing space. We'll explore how AI can help to scale accessibility to knowledge, as well as the importance of policies, standards, and practices in maintaining research integrity and shaping fair and safe AI use. We hope you'll enjoy the bite-sized insights from this episode. Hong, Josh, thanks for joining us on the Research Impact Podcast. Now, to start us off, Please tell us about yourselves, including how your professional paths have led you to do what you do now. Yeah, so thanks for having me and, and thanks everyone for listening in. So I have a background as a scientist, as a researcher. So I finished a PhD about eight years ago. And my experience as a researcher has really kind of led me down the path of realizing the processes that we do from funding to publishing are, are as important as the experiments that we do on the bench, right? And so I've long cared about how we publish, how we communicate, how we fund, and how we do science, even back to an undergrad. And, and I think my experiences as a researcher are really kind of what led me here. So personally, you know, interested in how people do science, because at the end of the day, there is this kind of vision of what a scientist is with the wild hair and the white lab coat, but we're all people. And then I think that's not so true. And so I think understanding the people behind science and the processes behind science is important. And I've realized there's a lot of inefficiencies in that. And so through realizing these inefficiencies, I've tried to develop various solutions with various companies to improve how we do research and how we do our work. Huh? Hello, I'm leading the intelligence service group in the Wiley Partner Solution now, which we design and develop and promote the intelligence service product to enable the automated, intelligent, and efficient the research and the publishing journey. For example, the modernized publishing workflow, enhanced content audience discovery and monetization, and help the publisher move from the content provider to knowledge provider by leveraging AI, big data, and the cloud technologies, which is all my passion is. So before I join the article, now it's part of the partner solution. In 2017, I was a CTO of the startup in the insurance industry. We apply the AI machine learning technology to understand the users and applicants, etc. So, and also before that, I was served as a senior software engineer and development manager at Slumberger, which global and also service companies. I mainly use, you know, my experience knowledge to create the 3D model in the as a reservoir. And before that, actually, I did my PhD in the 3D modeling the artificial intelligence algorithm from the University of Wales. And after many years work in the R&D and the commercial software development, I know what's my interest, my passion, my interest, and also I think the, my strengths. One of the strengths is to the combine the both technology and the business together to develop something, some cool, you know, the products, etc. And so that's why I did my MBA in the Oxford University, which I want to further develop my business 
skill under the I did my MBA in the digital transformation strategy. So I was a researcher. I knew the, the pain point and the challenges which the researcher are facing, which sometimes is a high pressure and frustrating. And then that, that's why my personal research passion, and especially now I'm working in the scholar publishing industry. So one of the, my personal research passion is to support the publisher success in their transition to the open access and open access, and also help the global researchers to know more, do more, achieve more, because this is what I was a researcher. This is what I want to do. I want to achieve. Thank you. And I think I am quite happy to be interviewing two people who have such experience. I mean, AI is a very recent, it's recently been talked about a lot, but it's, of course, it existed for quite some time. So I'm really happy to have two people who are very well versed with the topic, especially when it comes into publishing. So now jumping right in, what pressures is AI placing on academic publishing currently? Yeah, so I, I think AI, and that's a large term, can, can mean many things. I think there's a lot of different pressures, right? There's also a lot of strengths. And so that it's really kind of this double-edged sword. But the immediate ones that stick out to me are how do we tell if this is AI generated or not, right? Is this something that we should accept? Is this something that we should try to detect and ban? What are the policies around all of this? And so we have such a powerful tool now that goes from images to voice to text. How do we deal with all these things? And so because this new powerful tool has been opened up into the world, most industries, including scholarly publishing, are, are still trying to figure out what do we do with it, right? Do we try to like leverage the strengths of it? Do we ban it? Do we change our minds week over week? And so I think it's just a big question mark. And that's really kind of the pressure is that we just don't know. Of course, there are more immediate concerns and, and some of these around like paper mills and things like this. It, it was a challenge to publishers before this really advanced generative AI to look at images and see, has there been any manipulations there? And so now you can tell AI to produce any image you want, whether that is a Western blot or a cartoon, really kind of imagination is the limit. And so I think it's going to be harder to detect these manipulations, which Hong talked about pressures, you know, come from. And so I think that's a, an immediate one is we as, as publishers and we as librarians and researchers and, and all everyone in this community work to produce this very curated and trusted source of truth, this record that we can build therapies on, technologies on, policies on. And if we start to let in unreliable work or, or potentially fraudulent and, and fabricated work, that erodes the trust. And so I think that's one immediate pressure that we as a publishing community should be looking out for. For me, I think there's just many the pressures or, and also opportunities, George said, and also challenges, which the AI is bring to the academic publishing. I just went, I'm not sure whether we have enough time to talk about all of this. So I think there's a several things in my mind. I mean, the pressure, one first is about the IP and authorship. You know, the, today with the AI and the blockchains, the user have the greater the ownership and the control over their the data and they can engage in the peer-to-peer -peer interactions. So with AI, with the blockchains, et cetera, and ownership, the research outcome. So should we accept AI as an author? Should we redefine the meaning of contributions and the co-authorship and to what extent we can leverage AI to help us to 
write the papers and should we review the copyright IP laws, which currently is mainly focused on the human so far. And also the business model is changed. It's actually not only the open access is changing our the business models. AI itself can also change it because AI can help to extract the knowledge, the valuable information from the content, text-based content, image-based content, etc. So the more knowledge and the best services appearing to replace the existing text-based, content-based model. So for me, the new business model are needed for these knowledge services. So, and also not only the, for example, human is the main consumer of this content and the knowledge, but actually machine is becoming the main consumer as well, especially because of the AI. So this is uh, another thing. And also infrastructure change, because now the, the more and more AI, the product services and uh, come out from the lab and uh, becomes more commercialized, uh, applies in the real business case, the scenario. So do we have the enough, the good and the solid infrastructure to support this, to automatically build the model based on the update, newly incoming the, you know, data and apply this directly and also integrity issues. This is a, one of the biggest issues under the pressure, which Josh also mentioned. AI is a double edged sword. Yeah. It has the power to boost the research quality and collaboration, but also can bring the challenges especially like what uh, George just mentioned, image manipulation, the paper mail, plagiarism, etc. So I think this is a kind of the endless battle. I mean, the between us, between the publisher and the paper mail, etc. And also for me, two things I the pay particular attention, pay more attention. One is, you know, I think the is more AI generated content in the future. I'm just thinking there will be the more AI generated content than the human generated because AI can generate the content in second, in minutes, but the human can generate over hours, days, etc. So maybe in the future, the AI can generate content, but we can see more and more the AI generated content appeared eventually. I hope not, but will be the majority of content market. So it means the human, I don't want to scare the people, but the human created content actually is become more and more valuable, but with less market share. So another things challenge which AI bring is a natural conflict between the transparent and open, which the open sense we want to emphasize. But the AI today, especially in the deep learning in the large language model, is more like the, a black box. I know there's a many research, R&D work, research work, trying to make the AI is more explainable and the more transparent, but it's a still in many cases, it's still a black box. So it's how can we you know that it generates this? It will impact the human, the trust and understanding for AI, especially in the academic publishing. I think this is not only for academic for the publishing, but for the, all the industry, because the people worry about is a put pressure on the people worry about the people that will be the replaced by AI. Thank you so much, Josh and Hong. So now going into what's already happening, how is AI already helping publishers deliver knowledge at scale? 
Yeah, so I think AI, again, is, is such a broad term. And I think publishers have used machine learning for many different things for years, right? And that's processing articles, you know, to display this, to enhance recommendations, things like this. And so I think as the tools become powerful, there's new cases that emerge. You're starting to see various tools where you can have chat-like interfaces with articles. You can have these quick summaries built on top of articles, and they're getting better and better. And so I think AI is certainly enhancing the distribution and kind of the understanding and synthesis of articles as well. And I think that'll continue and not just with the publishers, but with partnerships through technology providers and others. And I think that's something we'll probably talk about a bit later is what are the opportunities kind of around AI? And I I think actually publishers shouldn't be fearing everything because there's a ton of opportunities that AI brings with it, and both from a business perspective, but also a technical perspective. And you know, I think that's an interesting thing to consider. For me, I think AI have published in many different you know, areas. For example, the enhanced content discovery. So actually, this is not only help the publisher to disseminate the, the content, but mainly it helps the researchers, individual researchers to discover the information, get answers, in the, especially in the area of the information overloading. So currently, we're moving from the traditional keywords-based search to small semantic conversational-based search. So users can just ask natural language questions and get answers directly, straight away, instead of you return the hundred of the links result. We, st- each of, uh, we still go, have to go through the, each of them to find the answer by ourselves. And also the personalized recommendations, news feeds, which we already use the every day. And also for publishers, I think the one of the AI in the application is enable the author-centric publishing. AI can help the publisher better understand the author and audience and providing the more personalized user experience based on their behaviors. We can identify their, their interests, their intentions, who they are, etc. And also modernize the publisher's operations workflow to increase efficiency and accuracy. So while the reduced cost from authoring to submission and the review, for example, the one we just mentioned, automated the screening, integrity detections, etc., and the suggested relevant re- reviewers, relevant to the journals to submit, and also the reference quality analysis, and automatically might extract the metadata from the manuscript, and then the user, the author, don't have to the manually enter this information. So this is improve the user experience, and also the better the content audience management and monetization, because today publishers want to increase their revenue, especially commercial publishers want to diversify their revenue. So how can we monetize their existing content? And then the, so we, AI can help to get the, create the richer content, which not just limited to text, but also video image, even virtual reality, etc., And also mine the valuable and the hidden knowledge from the text content. So this is, this is very, and the last one is to help the publisher to make the quick and insightful the business decision with intelligent, the AI powered business insight to BI tools. So this is also is a very, in, in the future, actually it's happened now. So the insight for the research analytics, I mean, the business, the decision makers, they can ask the BI tools with a natural language question. So tell me the why the last three months the, the revenue has dropped. And is there any reason which department or which the product line has a cost this? 
so they can answer this immediately with the evidence. This episode is brought to you by Wiley Partner Solutions. As the landscape of access continues to change throughout the research and publishing ecosystem, we seek to help our partners and customers explore and adapt to these changes in ways that deliver sustainable growth and a better research experience throughout the researcher journey. Find out more at www.wiley.com partner solutions. So now coming back to something that has come exploded in popularity in recent past, ChatGPT. So what is the role of scholarly publishers in the world of large language models like ChatGPT? Yeah, so I think publishers have a pretty unique role here. And that is, you know, they're kind of the closest thing to the ground source of truth, right? And if you think about scholarly publications, you know, there are peer review, there is evidence, there's data, there's analysis. There's not much other written content out there that, you know, provides that. And so ChatGPT is extremely powerful, exceedingly easy to use, but very hard to trust and validate, right? And so I think what scholarly publishers offer are, you know, this way to kind of contain this beast, right? To ground ChatGPT in the literature. And so, you know, citations, and it's kind of funny, has been such a niche thing for scholarly communications. But if you look at it, now, Google has this, you know, everyone is starting to add footnotes and citations to their answers. And so the challenges with ChatGPT is that they don't have access to every single full text article in the world. And so ChatGPT and, and other systems are grounding their answers in the wider web, right? And the wider web will be of mixed quality type content. And so I think publishers serve a really important role to kind of constrain and validate you know, answers from these generative models. And and that's something that we're doing at site through partnership with publishers is is starting to provide real references and to, you know, limit hallucinations that can happen with large language models by matching it against content from the literature, right? Here's what the machine says. Here's what the research article says. Okay, you can validate that. And then beyond that, is that the correct article, right? How has that article been cited? So publishers hold a lot of opportunity here from a perspective of, you know, providing more trust and reliability. And I think that's been true of publishers for the longest time. But now it can really integrate directly with a very powerful tool and system, whether that's ChatGPT or any large language model. In addition to that, I think, you know, there's also this opportunity for licensing. And, and so again, you know, I already kind of mentioned this very briefly in passing. These Groups, these large technology companies, they don't have access to every single full text article. And so publishers are sitting on kind of a gold mine of, of content, if you will, right? It's, it's exceedingly valuable information and it covers almost every single topic from Peppa Pig to particle physics to prostate cancer. There's a research article on that. And so, you know, the cooperation of publishers with what is arguably the closest thing to truth that we have out there, you know, I think can be a really big help uh, with large language models like ChatGPT. Yeah, I, I just want to add some extra point. I, I try to think not only from the publisher perspective, what's the rule of the scholarly publisher, but also I think the, what's the rule of the open science and to the large language models. So for me, you know, the open science means, you know, open access, open the data, open source, etc. So this is also a publisher is, a, of course, is a part of this movement. So always allow the most accessible content 
to train the better and the more powerful AI solutions. The data is very important, as Josh said. And the publisher can provide the full text content and also the reviewed high quality content. And open data can provide the richer and more the machine readable content, not only the text, but also the video image, code, data, etc. This is a, today's a large language model need because they are building, they are moving from the, you know, the single, you know, the modality model to the multi-modality model, which the AI model not only understand text, but also understand the videos, you know, image, etc. Like the GPT, you know, the vision, which is, you know, the very powerful to further move with. And also open source movement is actually is one of the key element to speed up AI development today. Without the open source, you know, the AI cannot be developed so fast, so quick. Since people and vendor can learn from each other, they don't have to build from scratch. So this is a very key. And also in the open science intelligent age, there'll be more requests and the publisher can provide more requests, requirement and the needs for AI and to boost the more AI applications and then provide the more use cases and the requirements to develop better AI applications. This is also important. But on the other hand, actually, AI itself can be used to improve efficiency and the productivity of research and the publishing to boost the volume and the quality of OA publications and also create the more richer content. And the publisher itself can, because many publishers, especially big publishers, they have, you know, the domain subject matter expert, they can provide, you know, the very valuable, you know, the instruction to help the technology companies to train their the AI model, large language models in the specific domains. So this is also one of the reasons why the ChatGPT is so successful, so powerful, because, you know, they, they embedded the human instruction. So this human, where this human instruction come from? It come from the subject expert, which the publisher can help. Brilliant. So now coming into policy, so what AI policy standards and practices should be enacted to create fair, safe, and responsible AI and to ensure research integrity in scholarly publishing? Yeah, so I, I think it's this is a big open question and obviously very difficult, you know, because there's so many different things to consider. But the two kind of key tenets to me are, are transparency. We need to know if AI has been used and kind of auditability. How has it been used? Right. And I think if we can put those at the center of any policy, we can start to use these powerful tools in a responsible and fair way. Of course, you know, the devil's in the details. And so that will, you know, be things that are negotiated and debated upon. But I think those are the key things that stand out to me is how can we be as transparent as possible with their use? And how can we audit their use? Right. How has this been used in this instance? So I, I just I totally agree with uh, Josh, you know, the transparency and also, you know, the accountability is very important. I just want to add one more is about the fairness and the bias. So especially, you know, the, be careful because how AI performance really depends on the, the, the data, which the, you know, the provided, train the model. So we want to, you know, the make sure, you know, that we have the, more the balanced data. And the, when we use the AI models to support our research, to support our work, we need to understand how this be trained and what's data set is be trained. Is it have any obvious bias or is it, you know, the something? 
we also need to have the more evaluation, provide the more standard evaluation standard under the data standard to make sure you know the for for people for customer to easy to select the the suitable you know the AI services AI models because today now there, there already is a many evaluation standard. I mean the it's coming out to have many leaderboards to show you know the which the model is good at which area or domain etc. I think you know the AI policy. I don't think AI policy can solve the research integrity issues. I think the fundamental things is about how the research integrity issues come from. Is it because the existing, you know, the careers, the promotion system, et cetera, and they push the, you know, the pressure to the researchers. That's why they have to do a lot of these things and then in a short time. So, so if, if this whole system cannot change, I think this issue is still there. The, what we are doing is just the passive protection. So I couldn't end this podcast without asking this about Sight because it's just so fascinating to me. So I really want to know how is Sight working on reducing hallucinations? Yeah. So so thanks for that question. So Sight has been at its core, you know, trying to improve how we discover, understand, and evaluate research articles. Right. So we've been focused on trying to develop the next generation of citations. So you can see how and why, you know, anything's been cited as opposed to just how many times. And so we do that primarily by showing the context of citation. So giving more rich information uh, beyond a traditional citation. And so we've been focused for five years on this challenge in publishing, right? How do we know if this article is trustworthy? It's been cited a hundred times out of those hundred citations. How many say they support it? How many say they disagree with it? How many have evidence against these claims? Do they cite in the methods section, the results section, all these different types of, of challenges, what we've been focused on with research articles. And so these problems are much more pronounced, you know, with large language models. You can ask any single question you can think of. You can give it a prompt to write a poem, a rap. You know, is this stuff completely made up, right? And so you need citations. You need a way to validate and, and trust the output from generative AI. And so we already touched upon this a little bit, but I think you know, what we're doing is bringing citations from arguably the closest thing we have to the ground truth of knowledge to these large language models. And so, you know, from a mechanistic point of view, you know, we use large language models to develop search strategies that run across the full text of scholarly articles, you know, and then match semantically and validate, is this what, you know, a research article says? Yes, the large language model says that, but does the research say that? Does that support it? And then built into that, you know, we're not just surfacing relevant articles to claims made from large language models, but you can see how those articles they themselves have been cited, right? This article has been published in this journal. It's been cited 100 times. How many of those citations, you know, support or refute this article itself? And so I think, you know, we are in this lucky place where citations are something that are, are increasingly important for generative AI. And, th and that's been our focus for, you know, half a decade. And so that's how we're, we're trying to reduce hallucinations and I think make knowledge more accessible as well, because not everyone's going to run this Boolean search, right? Or this keyword-based search. You know, as Hong said, some people will simply want to ask a question in plain language and get an answer backed by evidence as, as much as possible. Unfortunately, I mean, I'm so sad to say this. That's all the time we have for today. I really want to extend you my thanks, Hong and Josh, for joining us for our 
AI episode and sharing your insights with us. So as we draw to a close, please, can you share with our listeners the best way to reach you with any thoughts or questions, perhaps LinkedIn? What would be the best way for them to reach you? Yeah, so I'm very easy to reach. Josh at site.ai is my email. We're very happy to have you know feedback, not just positive feedback, but we really listen when things are not working. And that makes it easy for us to figure out you know, where to to put our efforts. And so you can email me. I'm on Twitter, Josh M. Nicholson, also on LinkedIn. So, you know, all the various socials and my email directly as well. Yeah, I think so. you can reach me through the email, zhou at wiley.com. Also reach me in my linking. Or you can, you know, the, go to the scholarly kitchen to read the articles, you know. I'm regularly publishing you know, the articles in the, you know, scholarly kitchen. Yes, and we're really happy. I mean, I'm quite looking forward to read those as they come out. And then finally, for our listeners, please feel free to share any suggestions for topics and guests via the podcast page on our Wiley Partner Solutions website. There will also be links to any resources mentioned in today's show in the show notes. So thanks for tuning in. And until our next episode, may your algorithms stay optimized and your curiosity never experience a runtime error. Thanks for tuning in to the Research Impact Podcast, conversations with publishing leaders on trends and solutions for open research. You'll find links in the show notes to any resources mentioned on the show. If you're enjoying our podcast, please subscribe so you'll never miss an episode and leave us a five-star review. 